0: You're listening to Feed Play Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. It's amazing how much things can change after you have a baby. Prior to giving birth, you may have had plans to return to work after about six months. Once you have your baby in your arms, you might be having second thoughts about when you'll be ready to get back into it. Or you might be ready to get right back out there, but you're unsure how to work when you've had about three hours sleep the night before. Chelsea Pottinger is the founder of EQ Minds. They're an organisation that works with businesses to develop wellbeing within their workforce. She's here to talk about re-entering work after you've had kids. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. What a joy to meet you in person.
0: Likewise. Now, I was super passionate about my work before I had my first child. And it sounds terrible, but it actually shocked me when I realized after I had her, hold on a second, I'm not ready to go back to all of that if it means missing out on this,
1: Mm. you know,
0: my baby in my arms, as hard as it was, as challenging as it was, suddenly my focus shifted. And I'm wondering if you had any shift in your perspective when you became a mum?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. To be honest, after I had Clara, I tried to run back to work. (laughs) (laughs) my experience was very different. Uh, and that was because as it unfolded, I actually ended up suffering really severe postnatal depression after giving birth to Clara. So severe, in fact, that I ended up in a psychiatric hospital fighting for my life. And it was not where every new mum expects to be, right? It is horrendous. Like the the last place you ever expect to end up is in a psych ward after giving birth to your firstborn. So that was a huge perspective shift change for me. And to be honest, I'm very blessed and lucky because I now look back on that experience that was seven years ago with a sense of gratefulness that that actually happened for me. Because after I recovered, I had to spend five weeks at hospital. Clara was only six weeks old. She was a, a brand new baby. But my goodness, I'm an amazing psychiatrist in there who taught me a lot. And she also was the one that encouraged me to go back to university and study psychology And it completely put me on a different career path after that. And one of the best things I learned was how to be mindful with my baby and to actually build up those mirror neurons and those bonds with your child that every other mum that I thought was experiencing. And I'm like, how do I get a piece of that? And uh, she helped me through that. And now my bond with my daughter, our beautiful daughter, Clara, is just so strong. She's the love of my life. And so, yeah, I'd say a very different perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it
0: does reinforce the fact that it changes for everyone, whether, you know, they have such an extreme experience as you did, which I say extreme, but it's not uncommon. Mm. Um, Of course, so many more um, women will get postnatal depression without being in a psych ward and and muddling their way through. Many will even go through it without understanding that's what they're experiencing. Yeah. Um, So It's amazing and wonderful that that was sort of like a turning point for you. Um, But I think it does shine a light on that um, everything changes, Mm -hmm. whether it's something that you feel straight away and it's uh, a shock to the system or if it's over time and you start to think, oh, hold on a minute. Is my working life fitting in with what I now have? Whether it's the the family and the time you want to spend with them or the family and the fact you need to spend time with them. You've got those responsibilities now. Um, If you get to that point and you think, maybe maybe this this career isn't my driving force anymore. So you went through a period, I would imagine, of great self-reflection. You had no choice. You're in that position there.
1: Mm.
0: If you're not sort of forced into that place, how do you make that decision when you wake up one morning and you think, oh, dear, um, my work just doesn't fit my family life?
1: Mm. I mean, what would you
0: advise is the way forward from that? Because it can be quite a scary thought.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's a real tough one as it completely depends on everyone's own unique circumstance and situation. And I believe family always comes first. You know, your health, your mental health and your physical health and your family But to be perfectly honest, you also have to be able to pay the bills, right? Not all of us have the joy of being able to stay at home. And so if your circumstances allow it, and I feel like this is a time of where you pause and have some reflection going, is this on purpose for me? Do I feel joy doing this job? Am I getting some form of fulfillment from that? I would say to people, if you're feeling like you're unsure, don't be afraid to take that leap of faith and move maybe to another organisation or a different role that supports you, supports your family, and also supports your mental and your physical health. And I think many people really deliberate on, you know, changing their role for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. They just keep going. And when they actually do make that change, they wish they had done it years ago. Yes. And so I feel like in this life, we are only here for such a short period of time, this beautiful life, we all deserve to be happy and fulfilled, then I feel like we all deserve to work in an environment that supports us and our families. So I'll take a moment of reflection going, is this is this it for me? Because there's so many other amazing organisations out there that have phenomenal cultures and phenomenal benefits.
0: I was going to say, I mean, you've had a real... Insight into that with your work because these are organizations reaching out to you to help to ask you to come in mm. and create this space and, and understanding about mental health and well being. So, do you have faith that organizations can answer that need for particularly mothers? I think that want flexible work. I mean, I know COVID has changed that, right? We all feel a little bit more entitled now to ask for some time at home to work. Mm. But have you seen that in the time since you founded this business, seven years, that workplaces are open to that kind of flexibility
1: when it comes to work family life? Absolutely. And it's changed significantly even when I founded the company seven years ago or six years ago now. And it's not just in finance sectors. It's across rural councils. It is in your tech companies. It is across automobile industries. And it's phenomenal because when I was in corporate, I kind of worked for the one brand my whole life and I thought, oh, the grass isn't greener. But then you move out and you're like, wow, there is so much opportunity and there's so many other things that other organisations are doing to look after their parents. And it's not just for mums but also for for their partners and their, their fathers. So I think, wow, this is actually really incredible. It's like when you date. You know, you date mm-hmm. the same person your whole life. <laughs> And you're like, you know what? Sometimes I just want baked beans on toast. And you go out and you try some- <laughs> <laughs> And you have to go out and try a few different things yeah. to work out, hey, is this organisation right for me? And you know what the beautiful thing is? And I think this is where we get a lot of fear, is that sometimes we feel like, you know, what happens if we, we leave? Do you know what happens? If you leave and you leave in good merit and you leave, you know, not burning any bridges and you leave in kindness that door will still be open for you Mm. so you can always come back. Yeah.
0: So your experience was working in corporate. You had your daughter, Clara, went on this incredibly painful and yet insightful experience of postnatal depression, went back to university to study. Um, This brings me to my next question, is whether or not you have any tips on how to manage sleep deprivation. <laughs> mm. And I was going to say at work, but I'm assuming that you were probably dealing with sleep deprivation whilst studying, whilst juggling the whole thing. Um, I'm wondering if you have any advice on that point for those parents who have their child and go, no, no, I'm still ready. I, I love this. My workplace is great. I'm going to go back. But, oh, my God, how do I do this with three hours sleep every night?
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And when I had Clara and had postnatal depression, I had really bad insomnia. So if you're someone who your children sleep well, but you're an insomniac, I'll get you to write this down. They're called the Woolcock Sleep Institute. Now, they are based here in Sydney, but you can do virtual consults with them. That's where our very smart doctors and psychologists are. Sometimes you need one or two sessions, you know, to get yourself back on track. And for those of you that it's more the children interrupting the sleep, (laughs) you know, we just got to get it when we can. You know, the afternoon nap, if you can, a few hours, kind of whatever it takes. As for help, I would say ask for it. Take the help when you can. Share night shifts. My husband and I used to share night shifts. Since then, actually, we haven't slept in the same room for about the last seven years. The best thing we've ever done in our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that. It's a debut topic, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But honestly, we sleep so well. I mean, we're very intimate. We love each other enormously. Mm. But he's six foot five. I'm 5'11". That's a lot of human being. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: my husband snores. Oh,
1: and he snores, right? No, you
0: can't do that. So
1: you go to your own rooms. You have a really good sleep. And we used to do this with Clara. You'd go down one end of the house and do the night with Clara so I would get the quality rest and then swap it the night before. Uh, Maybe if it's in the realm for you, maybe it's a night nanny. You know, if you've got the the finances there, whatever your economic and personal circumstances can allow, could it be potentially a good friend or a partner the next day taking the child out so you could catch some sleep, Uh, trying sleep school? I know a lot of good friends who've had a lot of success uh, with getting their children to sleep by going through one of the sleep schools. And I think meditation is a really underrated resource. You know, when we look at research, a couple of key ways that we can recharge the glucose in the brain, one is obviously sleep and that is irreplaceable. Nothing really replaces deep sleep like sleep. However, something that does that I think doesn't get enough attention is that if you can do like a yoga nidra meditation the next day, It does give your brain deep rest and all you need is about 10 minutes. So jump on Insight Timer. It's a free app. Find some yoga nidra. I'm uh, I'm a meditation coach on there. Here's the caveat, though, everyone who's listening. If you're like, oh, Chelsea, I can't meditate with Aussies. (laughs) (laughs) Don't meditate with me, okay? There's other amazing amazing guides out there. And it's just you just turning up and tuning in. Mm. And giving yourself the permission that is okay to take care of yourself. So I think that would be my main tips around getting to sleep. And I promise you, it doesn't last forever. And sleep is
0: such a big part of what you teach people in terms of their well-being. Um, And I would definitely second the uh, Insight Timer app and the Yoga Nidra. Because mainly, when I think about it, um, if you're a parent who's been with a young child or a baby all day and your nervous system is just heightened, the arousal is heightened, mm. you might be anxious, everything's going on in your brain, and then you think, well, how am I going to sleep now? Yes. But every time I t- turn on my yoga nidra or my Headspace app or whatever it is, mm. it's um, it's incredible how quickly my brain will relax and I find I don't get to the end of it. And I wake up in the morning and think, how did,
1: how did that end? It's incredible. Apart from me being asleep, which is what I wanted.
0: But it, it was, um, I think the more I do it, the quicker I fall asleep.
1: That's wonderful. Mm. And it's also because your brains, it, and yoga nidra is slightly different, right, to normal meditations. It ta- changes your brain in a little bit of a different way. And it's like Headspace, you know, Andy's voice, dreamy, mcdreamy, right, yes. at nighttime. <laughs> My husband used to say, get Andy out of the room, like you get out, and he did. And now I've got <laughs> I've
0: got Andy in my ears. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: But I listen to him nearly every night. I make yes. sure my phone's on flight mode. So, yep. you know, there's no weird waves coming close to my brain at night and I got, I'm not getting disrupted by pings and dings throughout the night and the phone's down so there's no bright light coming into the room. But that, that meditation will just naturally click off, right, after 10 minutes and I'm yes. down and out. I, I fall asleep every single time in that meditation and I don't even know where I drifted off.
0: Yes. So it's such a game changer. It is a hundred percent. And it's funny because I didn't know about those meditations or yoga nidra when my kids were small Mm. and I wish I had switched on to that because even if it's not something about going back to work, it's something that could help you even to have those nana naps, which I have no problem with now, (laughs) (laughs) but when when you're first trying to get rid, used to the weird sleep cycles your baby goes through, mm. it can be hard just to lie down and have a snooze
1: in the afternoon. Oh, it's so hard. I could never do it. I was too anxious. I can anxious. Now, Yeah, I, I can, <laughs> can bunk it down with the best of them. <laughs> but in those first few years, yeah, I was, I was just, my mind was too busy. I've got to clean the bottles. I've got to get some washing on. I've got to do some dinner. You know, all those kinds of things are kind of just churning around there in the mind. But it's so true. I wish I had a known now what I, you know, what... Mm. I wish I'd have known then what I know now. Because even, you know, with calm for the parents out there have got little ones who they struggle to sleep. Just like adults, children need right cues that they're yes. going to sleep. And calm's got beautiful sleep stories on it. And I listen to that when I'm putting Clara to bed. And again, flight mode on, you know, yeah. her iPad screen down. They got beautiful sleep music. It mm. takes her brain into a different brainwave to get it down nice and deep. So if you've got a little one that's got an overactive mind check out Calm and Mm. check out their sleep stories or their meditations for kids. And again, yeah, it's just another tool, right, in the toolkit to help the children get good rest. And speaking of tools, I have to
0: say as well, Bedtime Explorers, which is the (laughs) Kindle and Kids Radio storytelling, but it was done with a meditation coach who was a meditation coach for adults. Fantastic. And so when you listen to someone with the expertise lead a child through a story and you know that they've got all that research and understanding going through it. Um, yeah, it's very hard to stay awake though, <laughs> yourself when you're, when you're just put it on and then creep out of the room. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think can be challenging for mothers in particular, because it still is mothers who take off the most amount of time from work, um, when they have children is that when you reenter the workforce, your confidence can be quite low. So you, you've been spending 24 hours a day consumed by this small child. You haven't been listening to the news. You haven't been catching up on, you know, what's going on in your world of business, whatever. It, it just feels like completely separate worlds. And I'm wondering if you have any tips in terms of how you can have the right mindset mm. when you are ready to go back.
1: Yeah, that's a great question and as you're saying i think a lot of the times it's self confidence that prohibits us as mothers going back confidently into that workplace and a few things here one of them i feel like in in psychology in the research around building up our self efficacy one of those ways that we can do that to build up our own self belief right our own confidence in our own abilities is to think about a time in our life where we've actually had a hard time right where we've had a setback or a challenge or an adversity this this could be anything from our plans getting cancelled through COVID, our travel plans to failing a course or not getting a job promotion, anything where you, you can think of you've had to face it with perseverance and motivation and grit. And then when you have that moment that you can think of, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions here. One, and you might want to journal down the answers to this. Write down how you overcame that, you know, and then two, what you learned from that. And then three, how did you grow as a person? And this is one of the best things that can build up our confidence. And and to be completely honest with everyone who's listening, I did this with my psychiatrist in the hospital when I was going through postnatal depression. And she really helped me move into a position in my mind of post-traumatic growth. And because life will throw us challenges or change, and what happens is it's in those kind of periods of time that we actually grow. So that is definitely one way to build up your self-confidence, knowing that you've gone through other things in your life, going back to work, that transition, you're going to be okay. You've got the resilience there to do that. Two role modeling. And I think this is really important in terms of speak to trusted advisors like your partner, like your mum, like your good mates, and talk to them. you know, and there make sure you are around people who light you up. yeah you know, if someone, if someone's flame is kind of lit up by blowing yours out, mm. they're not the right kind of person to hang out with. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you're around. there always say, you know, five people is kind of where it's at. Choosing those friendships really wisely. And they're the people who are there with you through the good times, but also they shine the light with you through the darker times. But talk to them about it. And I can guarantee you they're gonna pump up your tires. Right. Yeah. To to give you the confidence to get to get back to work. And the third thing. I would say is sometimes we have these limiting beliefs, you know, am I going to be okay when I return back? For example, do I have the same knowledge or what if I've missed out on a years of experience? And so this is a really cool thing that, that I learned at university is, you know, coming up with those limiting beliefs and you can do this with you or your partner or your children What that limiting belief is, and then you come at it with a possible solution. So say, for example, and I just kind of write this down sometimes, like left column is limiting belief. Say it's don't have the same knowledge or the same experience as what I did 12 months ago. Possible solutions to that. And then you just brainstorm a whole bunch of ideas. Maybe it's that, okay, so I need to get clear on what I don't know. I'll go and speak to my colleagues. I'll go and speak to my boss on anything I need to upskill on. Who can I learn from? So what you're doing here is you're talking back to sometimes these naughty, outdated, untrue thinking patterns and you're coming at it just to remind yourself that, you know, what you actually are going to, you've got got the confidence and the knowledge and the skills that you're going to be okay when you're returning back in. So that's another really great technique. And then the other very final thing I'd say is sometimes we just need to drop the perfectionism, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to not know everything when we're going back in. uh, Everyone feels like that. And I always think, you know, we need to compare ourselves to who we were yesterday and not compare ourselves to someone else of their today. And it's kind of just helps us swim in our own lane. We're not just constantly out there comparing ourselves to what everyone else is doing. Mm. So I think that's a huge thing. That's something that I had to learn a lot after going through postnatal depression and my... My psychiatrist is just such a weapon of a human being. I just love her. She actually, when I got discharged from the hospital, she sent me to the Nantin Temple in Wollongong, <laughs> <laughs> what a legend, <laughs> to learn about loving kindness, compassion, meditation. And that's where I started my journey. And she said, you need to learn how to love yourself again, not have shame and guilt around having perinatal anxiety and depression. And so if there are people who are listening who do suffer perfectionism, that's a beautiful way to begin is learning, loving, kindness, compassion, meditation, where the first thing you're going to get taught is how to love yourself again. Mm. And I think that's beautiful, right? It is beautiful. Because then in the rest of your life, you kind of do things, your 80% is probably going to be other people's 100% if you're a perfectionist, okay? Yeah, so you yeah, just got to be kinder to
0: yourself. It's very true. The other thing that you, what well, you said there that resonated with me was this idea when you're a new parent and you go back to work and you think you've been out of the workforce for all this time and what do you know? Um, I remember speaking to a guy called Anthony Saman who educates early educators, and I asked him about resilience, you know, like how do we teach our kids resilience? And he used this meta- metaphor and he said resilience is really, um, I think it's something like when it's raining, resilience is opening the umbrella and you just keep walking.
1: Oh, nice. You know, so he's he's saying
0: that, um, and I hadn't thought of parenting this way because when you're in the weeds with it all Mm -hmm. and it's all so hard and you just think I'm doing all of this wrong or I might be doing it right, but it just feels like (laughs) I'm doing it all wrong because the baby's not stopping crying and I'm just a mess and I haven't been outside. Actually that year that you've taken off from work, every day you've displayed resilience. If, so you, if your baby has made it to one, yes. you are a resilient human you being. You are. Crack right? the champagne. That exactly. first birthday is
1: actually for the parents. <laughs> it <laughs> totally is.
0: But I never thought of it that way. I always yeah. thought because it's so hard. But, you know, I always say to my daughter, you know, courage isn't easy. Courage doesn't feel good when you're doing it. It feels awful, but it's getting to the other side. So I think that maybe if we look back on that year and think, well, actually, I have just done a really hard thing working. You know, once you go back for a week or two, you start to realise yeah. this is so much easier. easier.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Being a stay-at-home mum is harder as a full-time job than working full-time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yep. And percent. Like, got it all down. But I love the, um, the loving kindness and compassion. I think we could all do with that. Chelsea, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming. Likewise. In. Thank you so much for having me today. That's Chelsea Pottinger. She is the founder and director of EQ Minds, and you can find out more information about their work in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.